Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, what kind of magic can Aladdin conjure up this Memorial Day weekend? The disappointment over the Game of Thrones ending continues. And what can PC fans expect this year at E3? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we are back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford coming right at you here. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the man on the flying carpet for Humanica Media. You got to check out everything that's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, HumanicaMedia on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. Freshly back from Disneyland, it is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Just thinking about how I can show our audience a whole new world, you know? But you're not going into song, I can tell already. You're still getting that voice back. Yeah, I'm way, yeah, yeah. You know, I would, I would, but I just don't want to do Robin Williams any disservice, you know? Next week's episode, maybe yeah, next, next week. week. Tune in, tune in, everyone, tune in. But you did get a chance to go to Disneyland today earlier and check everything out what's going on. What's the vibe right now with Galaxy's Edge? Disneyland's packed, man. They're raising prices. They put in a new part of the parking structure. It's packed. Like we went in there today and it's I don't know whether it's because Memorial Day and everyone's got the three day weekend, but there are just so many people there and there's a lot of excitement. I've seen a lot of articles pop up on the Internet. If you go to the into the parking structure at the very top level, you can kind of see what's going on in there. But I'm curious because I, from what I understand or, you know, talking to people who work there, they're saying that they're, the issue is going to be moving people along through these exhibits instead of, ha- you know, how you go to Disneyland, you kind of like to just walk around and take things in and see what's going on. But I guess there's a concern here that there's going to be so many people wanting to get into Star Wars land that they're going to have an issue getting people to cycle through so more people can come in. So I don't know if it's going to be like Ikea style where they kind of push you through through a designated path or what's how they're going to handle something like that. Well, you got to remember, I mean, folks like you, folks like me have been going to Disneyland, in my case, almost 50 years. In your case, 28, 30 years now already? I mean, you've been there probably, what, close to 25, 30 times, I would imagine? Yeah, I mean, when I can afford it, I like to go. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. But what I'm saying is that 
for us, it is the same thing pretty much every time we've gone there for the past, you know, so many years with subtle variations, a new thing popping up every now and then. But for the most part, it's been the same thing. This is something completely new, completely off to the side and completely different than what we've seen before that everybody's excited to experience. So they're going to be there for a while. They're going to want to experience it. I know when I get a chance to go to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, I'm going to be hanging out there pretty much, if not the whole entire time I'm there at Disneyland or Disney World. I'm going to spend quite an amount of time there. And you know what? I'm sorry if there's going to be someone at Disneyland who's going to try and kick me out. I'm not getting out of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge anytime soon until I feel it's time because it's something new I want to truly experience for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are on that boat. There's Obviously, Star Wars is still a, a very big thing, and because the reservation lists are so long and packed already, and because they had um, the employees recently, I think this past week, got to bring in you know, their family and friends to see it. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely going to be an issue. I If I were paying money to go into Disneyland, because what, it's... It's $160 a ticket now, 170 something like that, depending on when you go. And if I were going into Disneyland after paying that much money, I wouldn't want to be herded through the exhibits. I would want to, you know, be able to go in there, cruise around, enjoy what I'm looking at. It's just it it would be a real shame if they force people to go through. So, you know, you're experiencing Star Wars land, that's really cool, and then you're kind of pre- feel this pressure to to move on to other parts of Disneyland afterwards. And I don't think that's a very good, not just a good way to treat your customers, but just a good business mindset. Well, because if you're going to Disneyland, Disney World, they think you're going to always come back. They think that there's no other experience quite like it. And there's no nowhere else you can get that kind of magic that you have at Disneyland or Disney World. So they feel they can treat you almost like any way they want to. But the idea, like you said, is the experience. And they shouldn't go ahead and limit you anytime, especially on something new, such as Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. If you have any feedback on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, if you've been one of the blessed few who have the reservations in advance to go ahead and check it out, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But it is going to be a great episode we've got for you today. We've got a good friend returning for another interview with us today, and that is Sam Petrella of the Awesome Bullhorn app. If you're looking for a better way to go ahead and play your podcast, check it out today. Bullhorn available now on the iTunes store and also as well, the Google Play store as well. He's going to stop by and he it's his time to vent about what's going on with the Game of Thrones. He has an opinion, all right, when it comes to how this big time series closed out. He has got his opinions on it and where he's going to be able to share that here in a little bit. Plus also as well, Josh and I are going to cover some of the games that will translate best to PC coming up that are going to be previewed at E3. But first, my friend, it is a big Memorial Day movie preview. We've got a lot of great stuff going on, especially this weekend when it comes to movies. It feels like it's a, a, a lot of different movies that are now either coming out or a lot to choose from. It does feel like for me that it's time for us to get back to the movies after the events of Avengers Endgame. John Wick 3 is still doing very well at the box office. Avengers Endgame is there in case anybody wants to go ahead and check it out one more time. Plus new entries from Brightburn, the horror movie that has that expect we were talking about on a previous episode where the child has those Superman type abilities, but 
unfortunately superman's gone a little bit south here as far as a creepy horror like movie in bright burn there's a movie directed by olivia wilde it is called book smart and i'll tell you what if you are into movies like super bad movies like that from the latter part of the last decade it has that type of feel it is book smart it is out now directed by olivia wilde and that movie while it will not be the number one movie this weekend at the box office it's gotten a lot of good reviews. It's one of the best-reviewed movies of the year. It's supposed to be very funny. What I've seen, the clips and all, look very intriguing. First off, we need to talk about Aladdin. The Aladdin live remake, reimagining, is now available with starring Will Smith. And while it doesn't have the greatest reviews in the world, it is still enlightening audiences. A lot of good social media feedback is so far for it, even though people were initially freaked out by Will Smith, your thoughts on Aladdin and the type of response you've been seeing so far. And do you think it will go ahead and end up being a much better representation of the live action remakes than what Dumbo unfortunately ended up doing for, for Disney? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to say yes. I think it's going to do fairly well because there's still kids that are excited about these movies. You know, the, their parents parents are going to take their kids to see these movies no matter what because think about it, like we grew up or you know i grew up watching aladdin and my that was something that my mom took me to see and that's something that i still do enjoy watching aladdin so it'd be something that i would love to take my kids to see it looks good it's directed by guy Ritchie, so i mean you know the editing is going to be really good gonna be really tight the live action movies there it seems like they're in and out as far as box office numbers go but i mean this is will definitely do better than Dumbo, I'm I'm sure. And they've done a, a lot better job of marketing it than they have Dumbo. So I don't see why people wouldn't want to go see it. If you see the trailers, like it looks visually pleasing. But I mean, as a father of two girls who are still in elementary school, is this something that excites you personally to I mean, as far as taking your kids to go see these movies? I was gonna say no, but they actually approached me on it to see if they wanted to go ahead and check it out, which is something we might actually do. Uh, Aladdin is something that, from what I'm seeing out there, a lot of people are actually still into it. And I think my girls are actually preparing to go ahead and check out Aladdin this weekend. It's something that they still have an interest in. Although Endgame, they're both still psyched over what happened with Endgame. They both enjoyed it so much. And they actually wanted to go ahead and check that out too. I mean, with the four-day weekend and all, for many kids out there, it is actually a good time to go check out a lot of good movies. So Yes, uh, there is a lot going on as far as Aladdin's concerned that interests my girls and I'm sure a lot of parents and kids as well. So it is going to be doing pretty good out there. Right now it's projected to do right around $75 million for the entire weekend, including Monday, which is a pretty solid outing. It's not the overwhelming success that I think Lion King will achieve when Lion King comes out. I think that's the Disney live action remake that I think a lot of parents families kids are are actually reaching out for or actually waiting for at this point in time i think that aladdin was just something to be a stop gap or, or or something in the in the middle just to you know to take up that point in time dumbo unfortunately did not do it for most of the consumers out there so it kind of disappointed the box office but at this point in time aladdin could do very well or could do well enough to go ahead and make it worth its investment as far as the live action remake is concerned 
Whether or not people are enamored with Will Smith's genie, I think that's up for debate because there's still a little bit of feedback here and there as far as the blue genie that he represents. But you know what? Overall, right now, there's some good vibes going in to go see Aladdin. I think it's going to do pretty good at the box office. I'm hoping that Avengers Endgame will still have one more decent week out there to see what they can do to try and knock out a little bit more dough and try and close that gap even more between it and Avatar. But for right now, I think Aladdin is going to do pretty good at the box office. I want to ask you about Brightburn. I know we talked about Brightburn a little bit about, like you said, something that is going to be something maybe you want to check out at home or whatnot. To me, it's just something that it looks like it's a great idea, something that's a little bit different, but maybe an execution is just not grabbing people enough to go ahead and, and make it that low-budget horror flick that I think a lot of people were thinking about it when the first trailer came out. Because to me, it, it it's something that almost doesn't feel real. You know, it's like it's this kind of take on Superman and you're wondering, like, is this part of the DCU or what's going on here? But it's not something that really is is biting at me to go watch it's an interesting concept and like my friends are all stoked about it but i don't know anybody who's actually going to go watch it in the theaters it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to hit up on you know netflix or Redbox or whatever it is i don't know a lot of people who are stoked enough about it to you know take time out of their friday or saturday night to go check it out in the movie theater it is going to be something that maybe a lot of people will catch when it comes to streaming and home video markets and like I said, for people that are looking for something a little bit different, that could be one of those sleeper hits. I think people need to check out Booksmart because it is going to end up on a lot of top 10 films list at the end of the year. I can already tell you right now, because of the feedback it's getting and the, what the critical reception is, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be interested in it if not now you're going to be interested in checking it out probably somewhere around the end of the year when it hits its own streaming and home video market and that's book smart again especially if you're into those type of movies that dealt with like i said before those late 2007 2008 movies like super bad and the pineapple express those type of funny those type of weird vibes those type of little bit off the beaten path type films if you're interested in something like that, then you might want to check out Booksmart and get ahead of the game because, like I said, it's one of the best-reviewed movies so far of the year, and I foresee it on a lot of people's top 10 lists coming up later in the year. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, this movie is directed by Olivia Wilde, who she you know, she had her, her turn in house. She was in Tron. Tron. Right? Yeah, so she's another actor-turned-director. And From what I understand, she's actually pretty good at it. So I haven't read a lot about this movie so i know it is a super bad-esque film featuring girls so i mean my, my question to you is do you think that we are at a point where we're going to start seeing a resurgence of those type of movies or do you think because the gender roles are switched that it's going to be it's kind of like a new take on an old genre it is a new take on an old genre whether or not it connects with audiences that's still up for debate I mean, we've seen this type of adult humor from females in this type of decade with Amy Schumer, I think is probably the name I'll throw out there first and foremost, who's willing to go ahead and cross that line. I still think it's kind of refreshing to see those type of movies if they're done well. And it looks like from what I've seen that Olivia Wilde could possibly have a sleeper hit on her hands that could blossom and grow 
and could be, if given the right love and attention from fans out there, be something that could have a lot of legs as far as continuously week in, week out, having people go ahead and say good things about it. It's not going to, like I said, start off with a bang. It's not in as many theaters. That's the type of movie that has to get a lot of word out and whatnot. But yes, it reminds me of so much of like Superbad. It is a different take on the same genre. But you know what? I think as long as people find it refreshing and people find it interesting, like I think you and I do, that I think it might be something a lot of people might want to see. If they don't catch it now, they'll definitely catch it later. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully it resonates with people. And we honestly, like that genre has been dead for so long. I would love to see it come back. Because you always have those movies who are that are slightly successful. And then you see a lot of straight to DVD sequels to stuff like that. So I'm hoping that this could be something that revives the Judd Apatow type films. You know, something like that. Maybe we'll see more females tackling this genre, which would be interesting. Because that's kind of a point of view that we don't really get a lot of we see the man point of view of females but we don't get you know what they're actually thinking which could be you know sprout a whole genre in itself which could be something that people really would want to watch and and feel like it's it's fresh you know it'd be the something that we haven't seen in a while but it still feels fresh if that makes sense it sounds like both of us want to see this film because it looks like from all appearances that it is pretty good and it looks like something that i think a lot of people that are looking for that type of movie it might actually give them that fix oh dang you see the the producers behind this yeah will ferrell adam mckay so this has a lot of people that were behind anchorman produce this film that's interesting to me if you type in book smart the first six minutes it actually has a video that will give you a better idea of what actually is going to go on in the film so you get a chance. It is book smart, and along with Brightburn, along with Aladdin, they're all coming out this weekend. It is going to be a big weekend at the box office, along with John Wick Three, Avengers Endgame, and all the rest. Go check out some movies this weekend. It's a great time to do so. Enjoy the fun cookouts, that whole nine yards. It is going to be a great weekend at the box office. What are your thoughts out there on the weekend at the box office? Are you interested in go checking out Aladdin, Brightburn, or Booksmart in what could be one of the surprise movies of 2019? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, we've got Sam Petraea from Bullhorn. You got to check out the awesome app that plays podcasts better than anyone else. He is going to be stopping by to share his thoughts on the Game of Thrones final episode. Was he happy or not so happy about the ending of the Game of Thrones? Find out after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Biterbrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Biterbrace is clinically proven to help improve performance giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace win with it. 
back with the show again. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Well, the Game of Thrones, actually, it did end. I want to let everybody know out there, it did end, but (laughs) seemingly it has not ended for a lot of people because all week long, people are just going off on a tangent when it comes to Game of Thrones, whether it's for or whether it's against. And here with me today to share his thoughts on the final episode of the Game of Thrones is a friend of mine that we're just so happy to know. And I'll tell you what, if you need a good podcast app, because if you're like me, you had a lot of issues over the course of time with various podcast apps not working to where you needed to be. Not only does it provide you all the podcasts you want to listen to, plus it allows you to go ahead and select many, many podcasts that are out there. It discreetly tells you when a new podcast is up. It also has layered out there in a nice fashion all your favorite podcasts in a row, ready to play for you. It is the Bullhorn app. It is a tremendous app. It's available now for iPhones and Android phones. And the man behind the Bullhorn app is with me here once again. It's Sam Petraya. Sam, great to have you back. Hey, Gerald. It's good to be back on. I'm just so happy your app just closes. When you ask it to close, it closes which to me doesn't sound very hard, but for a lot of these apps, in fact, one, I like I said, just really just irritates me and I'll never open it again. It, yeah, just, yeah. It, well, that to I'm me glad, is awesome. I'm glad Bullhorn doesn't irritate you as much as the, the, the app we shall not name. Yes, um, yes. But no, it doesn't it, irritate me all. Actually, it's an awesome app. To me, I, I've rated it five stars. It is truly an awesome app. It's the ease of use, the way you get in, you get out, you navigate through your podcast. And yes, I know you're here and me just saying wonderful things about, but the <laughs> part of the reason why it is the way I listen to podcasts now is because the way it navigates through everything so cleanly and so easily. I really appreciate those kinds of words. Yeah, we're, we, we, we kind of took the approach that we want to be, you know, simple, simple is kind of better. Every app out there is so complex, like even, you know, multi-billion dollar companies like Amazon, their kind of shopping app is just, there's so many buttons. So we really take the idea that we want to reduce the number of buttons. We want to reduce the number of clicks that you have to get around the app. It's very exciting. I'm not sure if your listeners are aware, but we're still kind of new to the space. The podcast space is definitely heating up both with content and apps and all these kind of players are entering the podcast space every single day. A bunch of money has been kind of flowing in. So it's, it's fun to be a part of the space, but we're really looking to be one of the good guys in the podcast app kind of world where we're not trying to, you know, scam the content producers. We're not trying to, you know, penny pinch the users or anything like that. We're completely free app, free to download and free to post your content. And we've gotten the layout down and now we're kind of taking a big hack at the, the explore page and trying to recommend content to users. So it's, it's a really cool time and I'm very, very grateful to be in this space. And it also has the novel concept of not only you being able to listen through your data, mm-hmm. through Wi-Fi, but also as well, if you just put in your phone number, the, if you want to play a certain podcast, like let's say the Pop Culture Cosmos, it'll go actually directly to your phone and take the stress off your data if you don't have an unlimited data plan. Yes, that's that's kind of like our main differentiator is that we actually allow users, whether or not you know they're not connected to their Wi-Fi or they don't have an unlimited data plan, that they can go in and they can listen to a podcast without using their data. So there's also a new feature. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Gerald, but I can go into the Pop Culture Cosmos profile on Bullhorn and actually add your profile as a contact in my phone book. So I can just be driving and I can use my Google Voice Assistant, it's called, and I can just say, call the Pop Culture Cosmos, and it actually 
dials me in and listens and I start listening to your podcast without even opening the app. So it's pretty cool stuff. It is pretty cool. I'll tell you what, right now that you have me intrigued when it comes to all the features that are actually here now or on the way coming with the Bullhorn app. I mean, again, if you really are looking for a cooperative, really thorough, really great, easy to use podcast app, it's right here for you. The Bullhorn app available now. It's right there on the Google Play Store for iPhones. It's there for you. You're making me blush. I, I really appreciate all the, all the kind words. Okay, well, let's get that out of the way because I know you <laughs> want to talk Game of Thrones, but you know what? It is, like I said, when I listen back to my shows and all the podcasts, I do use the Bullhorn app, including mm -hmm. all those Game of Thrones recaps that are out there, including the one that we just did, Josh <laughs> and I, on the weekend. I was listening to it off my Bullhorn app and listening to him vent and listening to me vent, and then I hear the rest of the world vent. Right. But not everybody's been against it. Some people actually liked it. Some people enjoyed it. Some people thought it was a thrilling tribute to the Starks because pretty much that's what it came down to is a thrilling tribute to the Starks. Your thoughts on the Game of Thrones final episode, the climactic episode of an entire series that people have just been on edge for, the ratings through the roof, breaking records left and right for HBO. Right. That being said, everybody wanted to know how it ended. For you, how did the Game of Thrones final episode end? So I would say disappointing. I'm not going to go ahead and say that oh, I'm going to sign a petition or anything like that. Like, and That's the only thing I said to Josh. If you're going to sign a petition, be the one of these three, 400,000 strong that's signing a petition, are you providing money along with that to HBO? Yeah, like I, I, I just don't understand it. Like, I, I think there you can only be disappointed to a to to a certain extent. Like, yeah, like I'm disappointed, but like there's so many other things in the world that like, why am I wasting my time with signing a petition? I could be making the Bullhorn app better or something like that. No, but um, <laughs> it just left so much to be desired. It didn't end in a way that was like, oh wow, like they completely messed it up or something like that. It just, it just left out so much. I thought it was very rushed. It, it left something to be desired and just, I don't know, like the whole reason that I got kind of caught up in the whole Game of Thrones stuff is just because like there were so many little side stories. There's so much detail. Like I would get caught up in like the lore, you know, like, oh, there's like, they would like mention like a small little house and then like that small little house has its own banner. It has its own story, its own like family heirlooms. And it's just so cool that like, George created this whole world to be invested in. And I don't think this season, and especially the last episode, did anything to kind of highlight that. It just seemed rush. I have like a small little list here. I could go through. Oh, yeah. Love, Please, let's do it. Well, actually, before you do, I want to ask one question. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jon Snow, you and I had previously talked about Game of Thrones in the, like I said, one of the most popular episodes that we've ever had. And thank you for your participation in that. And during it, we talked about Jon Snow being, I guess, the end looked like it was fitting for him to go ahead and take a seat upon the Iron Throne because mm -hmm. of his just nature and whatnot. And that seemed like, to many, the obvious choice. And I understand deviating from that. And that's neither here nor there. Uh, that's what a lot of filmmakers want to do these days. They want to show you that they're going to go down one path and then they send you down another. And that's fine. But yeah. the path that they sent people down in regards to the finale for the game of thrones 
really wasn't the path that I think a lot of people really truly enjoyed or savored as far as a, for a final episode. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I see what they're trying to do where they're trying to throw us for a loop. I mean, in the age of Reddit and everyone kind of like jumping on the conspiracy theories and figuring things out so quickly uh, with this kind of like internet hide mind that we have, I understand where they're trying to go and they're trying to throw everyone for a loop. But like, I think Jon Snow probably shouldn't have been on the throne in my opinion. And the way they got there, I think is what is really up to them. And it just seemed kind of like lazy on the writer's part. You're the second person to tell me that. Yeah. It's just like a bummer. Like, ah, I don't know. Like, it, 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 I, I don't know. Like I committed like 200 hours of my life to like watching, rewatching this seasons, you know, just kind of like, Oh, I'm bored. Like I'll just throw on game of Thrones because it's, it's such a great show. And it just like really tailed off. But do you have a list you wanted to go down and, and discuss on it as far as points in detail, which you think really, really need to be addressed? Yeah. So like, I'll, I'll start off with like the good part. The cinematography, the CGI, the battle scenes, like in terms of like the viewing and like the visual stimuli, I guess, was great. There, it was just so, so cool. Like Drogon, like, you know, he didn't look like a cheesy kind of CGI thing. Like the destruction of King's Landing, the Battle of Winterfell. I, I liked everything about it. The actors, love them. I think they'll always hold a special place in my heart, you know, whether it's Kit Harington or Peter Dinklage. Sophie Turner, these, they're all great actors. And the reason why I don't want to hate on the, like, the whole Game of Thrones season eight and like the last episode too much is because a lot of people did put like a tremendous amount of work into delivering this. And I think it really, what happened is it just seemed a little lazy. I understand they're like, they've been doing it for like the better part of, you know, 10 years now. So they wanted to move on to something else. But I think there's a way that, you know, you could have passed the torch to someone else. So the things I love, cinematography and the actors, things I'm okay with. I'm actually okay with, like, in terms of, like, the story itself. I'm very okay with Danny becoming a villain. I think that was cool that what they did it. But I think the biggest problem is, is it was just so rushed. Like, she Her turned... transitioning into, uh, you know, a, a mad queen type deal, that was done in the previous episode. I think a lot of people agree with you that that part of it was rushed and not developed over the course of maybe two, three episodes. Right. I I really think it shouldn't have been like, this whole season should have been fighting the Night King. The next season should have been fighting Cersei. And the season after that shouldn't have been like the aftermath, the potential civil war with Danny and John. It really deserved, or, I mean, maybe you can even split that up across 10 episodes in one season. I just don't understand why it was rushed. Maybe it's because of HBO's monetization strategy. Maybe it's because the writers wanted to do something else. Like, I mean, I don't well, think. Well, the writers have moved on to Star Wars. Yeah, that's the thing. Now they got like a trilogy in Star Wars, right? In three years, the next episode after Star Wars Episode Nine will be from them. Really? Uh, See, so yeah, and they'll probably do a great job with it. That's the thing that's probably going to like annoy me is it's probably going to be my favorite Star Wars. And I'm just going to have to sit there and grind my teeth while I'm watching it. And if it's so great, you're going to sit up in the middle of the movie. Why didn't you take this time on the final episode of the Game of Thrones? <laughs> I know, right? It's just such a shame. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? 
Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. See, I am still just kind of like star, not starstruck, but just still just deeply sad. And I've been, I've been in a mood all week. (laughs) See, and you and so many other people, I know you talked about how you thought it was so rushed and how you wanted to see it spread out either over the course of two, three seasons Mm -hmm. or, or into a 10 episode arc. And that echoes a lot of what other people are saying about how this season so abbreviated, so truncated it was just kind of disappointing because of the fact, like you said, that everything had to come and be with, contained within one episode, whereas before they would space it out over the course of two, three, four episodes to get a story fully told, or at least part of those side stories, which you said you enjoy so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and then like, it seems like they were kind of like moving on to like create side series. Now, what do you think about like the, the spinoff or the side series that – well, I think the I think the obvious one should be Arya. I mean that that in itself is set up for something that could be interesting because she's going into unexplored territory, uncharted mm-hmm. territory. Her involved in something like that, leading a series, that would be interesting because she is one of the universally beloved characters in the series, and the fact that she has that personal inner strength and the fact that she's a killer doesn't uh, hurt her as well. But I I think any other prequels and things of that nature, you'll never get the kind of full audience once again after what happened with the Game of Thrones because a lot of people are upset. A lot of people canceled their HBO subscriptions. I mean, there was a massive movement online bragging of who could go ahead and cancel their HBO the fastest. There was such a response to that. But yes, there will be some type of, following for a prequel for the game of thrones and how that's set up but i think the obvious choice should be aria and going out and exploring the unexplored and uncharted areas of the west and i think that should be a natural for a series that they should go ahead and hbo should explore yeah that that i'm I'm open to that idea too and like some people were kind of upset that 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 she did that but i mean there was a few foreshadowings in like the, I don't know, maybe like even season three or season four, she like asked, well, what's west of Westeros? And someone said, no one knows. And so I think it's always been in their mind. The way she went off maybe was like kind of weird. I, it's just like the whole ending, like John kills Danny and then Grey Worm, who was just executing Lannister's soldiers on the street, like puts him in jail instead of killing him on the spot. Or like even Drogon, like Drogon, maybe you could argue like, hey, he didn't know who killed Danny or he won't kill another Targaryen and he knows John's a Targaryen. But then like he, like, but then Drogon understands like the symbolism of the throne and like how it's made the whole world gone crazy. So he burns down the throne and that's his reaction. Like that's kind of a bit of a stretch. It was symbolism. You know, a lot of people associated that with, with the end of the game of Thrones. And I kind of was disappointed by that part of it as well. Also, there's a scene with the High Council and how they came to Bronn the Broken becoming the king uh, of the six of these seven different kingdoms that were allotted in, as far as Westeros is concerned. I, I like the part where Grey Worm brings Tyrion to the council 
and they're going to decide punishment on him. And Tyrion is told he wasn't going to speak, and then ends up Tyrion speaking throughout the entire scene. Yeah, like they were. I, I just don't get it. Like Grey Worm's in charge of the whole army. Tyrion sentenced to death. John just kills Danny, and somehow they both just get like a free pass. I don't know. It seemed like Grey Worm could essentially almost rule Westeros, right? I mean, he has the Unsullied. He had the Dothraki that seemingly somehow raised itself from the dead, even though I thought they were all dead in episode three. But I guess they're back to life. It's it's just so bad. It, why was it so bad? Well, Grey Worm is the only one that I think had a legitimate reason to act in the manner that he did because his love of his life was just decapitated two okay. episodes prior. So he had a reason for his rage, his madness, his anger. But for any other the other reasons outside of maybe Jon Snow and his righteousness in order to do what's right, in order to go ahead and preserve you know, the, the kingdoms and all that, there really was no 100% solidification of, okay, this person is acting in this way for this reason. It just seemed like there was a lot left that was uh, left for you as a viewer to interpret. And unfortunately, there's a lot of gray area, especially for so many people watching your product. Yeah, for a show that was so detailed oriented, that was so all about like hidden meanings and bringing them to life and like the long play, like they'd mentioned something in season one and then it would come to like fruition in season seven. It's like it's lost all its like IQ. Like it became like or the scene at the end when they have like the hand of the king kind of counsel. It would seem like an episode that was like, it was always sunny in Philadelphia. Like it was just all these little corny jokes and everything. And it's like, this is how you're going to end. So like, I can only complain so much because I think HBO's monetization strategy might be kind of the culprit here. Besides the lazy writing of D&D and then wanting to move on. It's kind of interesting because like, I don't pay for HBO. I just use my roommate's subscription and we just watch it together. So it's not like me going to a movie and paying $20 to see John Wick and then they're kind of like revenue going through the roof instantly. No, it's kind of like this long play that people have to subscribe. So then HBO, like I, I, I can see the need that HBO wants to say, hey, we, we really need to stop spending so much money on Game of Thrones and we need to get other content because we have the Game of Thrones people. They are not going to unsubscribe, but apparently they just did that. We need to go out and like make, you know, kind of like a diverse portfolio of content. So I think that might be kind of the culprit here as well, because like, you know, I can only complain so much and I don't pay for HBO. I'm, I use other people's subscriptions and they allow that limit that, you know, five people can log into a single account. I, I understand the cost and AMC mm -hmm. has to go that through that same thing as well with the walking dead, which is still the most expensive show on television but it is having itself some declining returns of a big time proportion. So AMC will have to make that choice. Do we want to go ahead and still be happy with 5 million viewers or do we want to cut our losses from there is because our show costs so much, the actors, the production values, same thing goes with HBO's game of Thrones. At some point in time, you got to say, you know what, this production is just so expensive you want this way to end it. You want this way to go ahead for this battle. This It's going to cost this much to go ahead and extend the time beyond an hour. Plus, you're paying all the salaries of, of all this ensemble cast because it's not a small cast like some other TV shows, which has you know three or four main stars and that's it. We're talking about a robust cast. So I can understand if it's a cost reason because something like HBO is out there. They've got other things in the fire going with Westworld, Watchmen, and so many other shows that mm -hmm. also cost them 
not as much money as Game of Thrones, but in some cases, like Westworld, it's rather close. You're right, right. And the, you could argue that those people bring in, you know, like it's there's not as much of, as in like an overlap. Like they're getting more and more people in there. They're being on comedy shows. So, yeah, I get it. Overall, it's just disappointing. You know, I think my biggest issues with it was, you know, they just made things over the course of the season that just didn't matter or that were, that seemed so important just didn't matter in the end. Like Bran's ability to warg just didn't matter. Everyone was speculating he might warg into the dragon. He might do that. It didn't matter. Like he used Hodor. Uh, he got into some birds. I don't even know what he was doing with the bird in episode three, but whatever. And then Bran's connection with the Night King. Like, oh, come on. Like, he's really this villain that doesn't talk and they have this connection and they're about to, like, have a moment. And there's some sort of shared history, but we just don't know. And it's just gone forever. Like, because they just had this evil stare down and, you know, for like about 30 seconds, a minute almost. And then all of a sudden he gets, the Night King gets killed off by Arya. Right, right. And don't get me wrong. Episode three, like, great episode like cinematography like the acting like i needed to be like medicated for my anxiety i was so anxious sitting on the edge of my seat but they just made things that didn't matter it just was rushed the night king and brand uh, john's heritage right like we it's this whole like conspiracy that ned stark knew that there was a secret marriage that he is like the prince that is promised and essentially his heritage was just used as like a little causation to make Danny jealous. He's and then all of a sudden it's blurted out all over in the course of maybe one episode. Now everybody seems to know it. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I actually thought it was really interesting what Varys was doing in episode five. He was trying to poison Danny in the kitchen. And that's what he was using the kitchen girl for. That was very, very trippy. I had no clue. Someone had to point that out to me. That was interesting. And I'm actually really satisfied with like Varys and the way he died, that he was really just trying to make the world a better place. He saw that Danny was a bad person, that she was going to go mad. So he tried to kill her, which is pretty gnarly. He foreshadowed everything. And even to Tyrion, who you expect to have the intellect to go ahead and see these things for himself. Unfortunately, on this occasion, Varys was right and Tyrion was not. But Tyrion ended up betraying him, and it cost him his life. Mm-hmm. So, anything else on your list, my friend? When it comes to, the, I guess, yeah, the I get, the yeah, I could go on forever. But hey, I just want to still appreciate. Say, if D and D is listening right now, I just want to say I appreciate what you did. It's the best show I've ever watched. A little disappointed in the ending. Leaves a lot left to be desired. But you know what? I have hopes that. When my life is extended via AI and all the technological advancements, and I'm like 120 years old, someone's going to be able to like CGI the entire season eight, season nine, and season 10 of Game of Thrones through some AI stuff. So I'm excited for that. So we'll, we'll wait for that one. We'll see how, for that how one. AI ends that one. Hopefully I will be, you know, maybe like my head and be on like some like Android body will be able to go <laughs> ahead and experience it as well. Yeah, exactly. We'll see the, We'll see all the uh, Android uh, prototypes in the next NAB show. Exactly. One last thing to ask you, my friend, when it comes to what's going on in your world. And once again, I'm with Sam Petrea. He is the man behind the Bullhorn app, the best podcast app out there. You got to check it out today on both iPhone and Android phones. I said it before, and I said it from the beginning, exactly how much I'm enjoying the Bullhorn app, but it's got to come straight from you, my friend. Why do people need to get 
the Bullhorn app? I think my biggest encouragement to your listeners on why they should download the Bullhorn app is that they can email me. Like I want, I want your guys' suggestions on how to make this app the best podcast app because that's really what I'm gunning for. And anyone that's left a review on the App Store, I really appreciate that. I've gotten some really cool feedback through there. People email me every day. I try to, you know, I try to respond to every single email and try to be really personable and and take in the suggestions. I'm not gonna, not every suggestion is gold, but I want to hear what other people think. I'm only one person. Our team here is pretty small. We're about ten people, and we can't think of everything. So if you don't believe me and Gerald that this is the best podcast app, maybe download it so you can help us make the best podcast app. Well, I'll tell you what right now, I've had and I've used oh, well over a dozen different podcast apps in my lifetime in regards to the phones that I've had over the various years that have played podcasts. And this by far is the best, easiest to use, very sleek. It just does a great job overall for me. And on the way, we talked. We didn't even talk about the audiobooks that are out there that are part of the Bullhorn app as well. So if, if you're into audiobooks of some of the great works that are out there, you can check that out as well. You know what? Line up your favorite podcasts all on the Bullhorn app and you won't be disappointed with it. It is the Bullhorn app. It is available right now on the Google Play Store and on your iPhone as far as Apple Store and all that good stuff. You can also get as well for your PC. Check it out today. It's the Bullhorn app. Sam, it's just great having you on the show. We didn't even talk Marvel, my friend, because I know you watched the <laughs> game, but that's for another day or maybe that's for wanna, another time. Yes, that's for another time because I want to get you on your thoughts on the, where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going. In fact, after Spider-Man comes out and that's supposedly the end, although it should have ended with Endgame. That's why you call it Endgame. So don't <laughs> get me started with that. I want to definitely hear your thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole and where you think it's going. I'd love to have you back on the show right here with us at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Gerald. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week on radio, but we're also on over 30 different podcast outlets, including Bullhorn, of course, check out our listing today on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media, so share the goods, my friend. What is going on with your great experience known as Humanica Media? I actually just posted our our podcast we did at Retro City Games. So check that out now. We got some special guests on there. Octavio Gomez and Gerald Glassford here. And our, our good friends, Jamie and Tony Monroy of Game Source, Talking about a lot of stuff, a lot of video games. Somehow we end up going on a tangent about what Wizards did with their poop at Hogwarts before plumbing. So if that interests you, definitely tune in. You can check it out now. iTunes, Podbean, all the usual places. It was a great episode. I actually got a chance to go ahead and share that to Retro City Games and a lot of other outlets and just appreciated 
talking to you guys there at the Retro City Games Charity Game Night. It was a success for us in April. And if you want to get a sense of what that was like, check out the latest Topicocalypse today on all the major podcast outlets. Well, my friend, it is an E3 preview. We're going to go ahead and start off with games for the PC. Essentially, a list of titles that are most likely going to be ending up being represented in one form or fashion or another on the PC. So I ask you, my friend, seeing that list and taking a look at it, and you know some of the titles right there I'm looking at, of course, the latest Call of Duty that's coming out, Cyberpunk 2077 from CD Projekt Red, Doom Eternal, Dying Light 2, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which has gotten a lot of interest from a lot of people out there, keeping on that Star Wars theme, the return of Grid. Grid is being redone, reimagined, remade, all beautified, pretty for this generation. So we could be seeing a PC version of it there as well. Halo Infinite has also been talked about coming to the PC. I want to hear your thoughts on games that you feel are going to really just be accentuated and really feel like it's a better experience on PC that you think will be previewed at E3 and be, like I said before, a a really good representation on the PC platform. Okay, so I'm looking at this list here, and I'm seeing a lot of stuff. Some of it's already out, right? We're getting Anthem, and EA has sworn up and down that they're going to keep supporting Anthem after pulling the add-ons that were supposed to come out, you know, some kind of big expansion coming out for that, and they stalled it. But they're swearing up and down that it's going to keep they're going to keep supporting it. So I'm I'm curious what that means. I, I would hope that they have some kind of killer show coming out of E3 because EA usually, you know, they they always have their own press conference. And I imagine we're going to see something Star Wars there. But my hope would be we'll, we'll see something from Dragon Age, but also maybe like a teaser of something from Mass Effect. But uh, so, yeah, we're seeing Anthem. We're seeing Apex Legends, Battlefield. So let's talk about EA play for a minute, because they're like that's. EA has all these programs where you can, you know, they have game streaming, you can get access to their stuff early, but instead of listening to what the players want, they're doing all these things and they're treating people with early access stuff like they're beta testers. I'm not really cool with that. No, that's something that still gnaws at you. It does because, well, because if you're paying what, $170 a year for this service, you shouldn't get treated like that. It's just, it's not cool. Because you're supposed to be paying people to to beta test these games. And it seems like EA, once again, is trying to find ways to cut corners. It um, sounds like it. it yeah, and I know. Right. And I understand. I get that. It's just something that, like you said, is it's not a great practice. But somehow they're able to go ahead and get by it. But you're right. Anthem has been, I guess, a little bit of a disappointment. And having a lot of its DLC and extended gameplay options kind of either suspended or removed entirely is is not a good sign but at least like you said they're still willing to support it and i'm sure they're going to announce more hopefully at e3 but what some of the new games that i mentioned halo infinite doom eternal dying light 2 cyberbug 2077 which do you think will probably run best or or probably be accentuated best on a pc platform my money is on cyberpunk 2077 because of the fact that i think not only is it supposed to be a fast-paced first-person shooter but I think the way CD Projekt Red in the past has done things differently, this is something that they're really doing for the first time on a such a large scale for a first-person shooter that I think to actually really enjoy it, you're going to need yourself a powerhouse computer. 
Cyberpunk 2077, I imagine, is going to look good. My money's on Doom Eternal because, like, you look at how beautiful the most recent Doom, you look at, like, how how well that runs on consoles and everything, and, like, you'd be crazy not to want to go pick that game up because Doom has, like, it's whatever engine they're used to build this game, it requires a lot of power. And if you've seen the gameplay, what what did they show? They showed Doom Eternal running on the Stadia, right? Remember when they they had that trailer come out? Yes. And that, like, you're... It's gonna, re- it's going to look amazing, but I imagine it's going to be something because it's such a fast-paced game. There's so many things changing visually on the screen at one time that it's going to need a lot of processing power to play. I agree with you. Doom has always been something that's kind of pushed the envelope. I would definitely say you're right. That could be one of the games that's accentuated best that is being previewed at E3. I also think that Halo Infinite. I think something that they need to go ahead and do is obviously not only make it a better version of Halo than what's been represented in the recent past, but also put it on a more highlighted platform for the PC because Microsoft is Windows and Windows is Microsoft. And Halo, it's been on PC before, but it really hasn't been promoted. It's been delayed as far as what versions, original version to when it finally comes out on PC. It's about time that there is a true day and date release for the Halo franchise that's accentuated best on a PC platform. I'm sure it'll run fine on Xbox One. I'm sure it'll run fine on whatever the next Xbox platform will be. But to have something that is optimized for Microsoft Windows and have it be an actual Microsoft game is something that they really haven't advertised and promoted in quite some time. Well, so for Halo Infinite, I I don't doubt that it's going to look beautiful and it's going to need probably something pretty graphic intensive to run. But my theory is that they're going to use the release of the Master Chief Collection to kind of test the waters and see what happens, see what they need to change in order to put Halo Infinite out on PC. And I hope that a PC release is inevitable because, you know, like you said, Microsoft has had Halo in their repertoire for quite some time. So it'd be weird not to throw it out there. But then again... You know, all this all this talk about cross-platform play that Microsoft's really pushing, that would be something very interesting to see how Halo crosses over with PC. But do you feel like the, they will change the game enough to make it something that really interests PC players? Because I know a lot of PC players have consoles, you know, for, for games like Halo and stuff. So do you think that would be something that might be an enticing enough to take people who play it on console and then make them want to go play it on a PC? It all depends if they allow mods. If they allow mods, I think that would be a very smart move and will allow them to go ahead and expand the Halo Infinite title even further and make it something that has never really been, I guess, uh, performed very well on a Halo game before. If they make it open and they make it available for people to go ahead and make their own mods for it, the possibilities are seemingly endless because you've seen other games that go ahead and allow modding and it's just really expanded the the possibilities for these games and expanded the interest for these games much more so than on a console fashion and if they do that for halo infinite and make it available to people out there to go ahead and and make modifications for it and make mods for it that would make it so much more appealing to the pc community and actually will help them embrace it even more how is that going to work though with like with with cross the alleged cross platform play is there going to be something where the, the the same mods are available on Xbox so if someone makes a really cool mod for 
Halo Infinite on PC, can someone from Xbox use it? Are we going to be facing? Because I remember the first time that Activision played around with mods. I remember playing Call of Duty 2, and all of a sudden this guy was shot a rocket out of a horse's butt. So I'm wondering like how that's going to cross over or if they're going to let that happen. And if you turn the mods on on Halo on you know Xbox or PC or whatever, are they going to do that thing where they remove the achievements like they do in Elder Scrolls? You're right. That could be up for debate at this point in time, but we'll have to wait and see. There's going to be a lot of great games that are going to be transferred over onto the PC that are big major titles. And yes, you should never exclude some of the great independent titles or smaller budget titles that are also going to be announced and released eventually for the PC platform. And you know, Josh, we see every single week that's flooded in our inbox by PR companies worldwide them all telling us about all this good stuff that's coming to the Steam platform or the Epic Game Store or good old games. I think we're going to be able to go ahead and get an idea of what good there is coming out for PC coming up here next month at E3. I know you're going to be checking out a lot of stuff at E3. Yeah, we're, we're scheduled to hit up Indicate. I know also that we have one of us has an appointment to go check out Rift Breaker. I don't remember if it's me or Tony, but I've been getting some emails from Indicate and they, they've always got a lot of interesting stuff out there. That's how we first got our hands on with uh, where the water tastes like wine. Remember we talked to Yanam and Nordhagen. If you want to see where all the up and coming game devs are, it's, it's Indicate is the place to go. And that'll be a part of E3 and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to a lot of great people down there as part of our coverage of E3 2019. What are your thoughts out there on some games that are coming to the PC platform, either big games or small games? Send us a list and we'll see what we can try to do to cover them. Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanic Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, I want to thank Sam Petreo from Bullhorn for stopping by on today's program. Before we head on out, I want to go ahead and congratulate Pac-Man on 39 great years. Did you ever play Pac-Man as a kid? Okay, so my first console is a Sega Genesis, as I've talked about on here a few times. And I remember being obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog. And then my mom went out and bought Pac-Man. Okay, And she brought that home. And that was her jam when she was a kid. So she bought Pac-Man. It was during Thanksgiving and my aunts and uncles were over and they were all fans of Pac-Man. So here I was thinking that I was the cool kid at the dinner table and my mom and my aunts and uncles are just destroying me at Pac-Man. And I, I didn't get it. You know, it's just this wah, 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 going across the screen. And th that was the gameplay. You know, you're just trying to outrun the ghost. But to them, it was everything. And it is something that has stood the test of time, I would say on a level that like Sonic or Mario haven't even achieved as far as how these games have resonated through history. What are your experiences? Because you, you came up in the arcade era. So tell me about your experiences with Pac-Man. Well, I was never huge into Pac-Man. I kind of like miss Pac-Man more, but with both, you had to have the certain pattern down. And you could go ahead and pretty much get really far into the game if you knew that pattern. Yes, people were crazy for it. I, I was think I was in my early teens when it, really started to hit you know hard here in america and people were just crazy for it obviously it didn't flow as well the first time it came to consoles with the atari 2600 and that representation of it really wasn't that good but i remember playing it on the atari 2600 blah 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 and it really wasn't a good representation but yes the arcade game pac-man still stands today 
in many ways it's gotten a rebirth or a lot more interest into it. Our good friends at Arcade One Up, they have the the three quarter size arcade that you can buy for two ninety nine or less at your local Walmart that you can go ahead and buy that people can have their own almost life-size Pac-Man that's out there. And then my arcade has had representations as well. So still many ways you can go ahead and get your Pac-Man fix. And I think a lot of people are more nostalgic on it. Remember, there was even a Saturday morning cartoon available for it. The disco song that hit number one on it, Pac-Man Fever. So yes, there was a great interest into it at the time. It was a staple of pop culture in the early 80s and there's so many ways you could go ahead and experience it now. Just seeing young kids out there playing Pac-Man and almost 40 years strong, Pac-Man is still going on in our lives today. Any last thoughts on the way out? Kind of reading up on the Netflix Marvel stuff, and it would seem that Luke Cage is going to be in an episode of Cloak and Dagger. So maybe Hulu has some plans going on here. And Jessica Jones is coming for season three in yep. June. Maybe these series will be given new life at Hulu. That could be interesting. I would honestly love to see that. Well, now that Disney owns Hulu outright, there's that possibility indeed. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This week on Myopia Defend Your Childhood. Myopia Defend Your Childhood is so named because I believe we are short-sighted on the things we watched as kids. So every week we watch a movie that one of the panelists grew up watching and see if they hold up from comedy to cartoons or to action. And for this season, the last Thursday of each month, we're doing a TV show in our Myopia Morning segments. We watch Saturday morning cartoons and afternoon classics. So find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. How will you stand when we put your past on trial? Myofi Defender Childhood is a member of the ESO Network and produced by Dude Letter Podcasting. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.